Hello, everybody. Everybody listening, wherever you are, I hope you're well. It is episode 61 of I Understood That Reference. I am Ross, and as usual, I am joined by Rob. How are you, my friend? Hello. Wow, you've kind of, you've mixed up the intro there. And I like it. It was, it was, the big hello at the start, I, I, I rattled me, almost. It was so exciting. Good on you. That kind of rattled me too because I was like, will I test the mic first or will I just start talking? <laughs> and I went with start talking. Hello! Look. I enjoyed it. That was good. Yeah. And it like rattled the walls of my house as well as you. But um, look, uh, basically, we, we do now a podcast about like films and stuff like that and games and comics and jazz. And we've got lots of cool stuff coming up. <laughs> J- jazz as in, yeah, jazz as in, you know, Sinatra, D- Dean Martin. Yeah, the Rat Pack in general. That's the kind of jazz we cover. Well, I mean, not not the Transformer, I guess you could say. <laughs> no. Uh, although, speaking of, you've got a serious collection building up, you old sly dog, yeah. With all I'm, the, oh. Got a collection of toys up on his well, mantelpiece. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, you say toys. I mean, I know they are, but still at the same time. Collectibles? I, mean, I don't... Yeah, I mean, yeah, just Transformers. They're just, just cool Transformers is what I call them, I guess. Yeah, they're toys. Who cares? But look, <laughs> we're going to do a good episode today and we're going to talk about films and it's been a kind of a, an unusual period because for the first time in a long time, I think we've opened up to get to the cinema, which is unusual because, you know, with everything that's been going on and all the crap that's going on around the world, <laughs> it's been difficult. But now it looks like there's loads of releases. So we've got loads to talk about. But oh, before yeah. we do all that... Rob, how are things, man? How how you been? I'm doing grand. I think I was sending this to you. I think maybe over the weekend or something. But I, not not that I'm complaining. This is a first world problem. So everybody, calm down. But I had a. <laughs> obviously, things have opened back up. So weddings have resumed, engagement parties, and like even a, a stag was was thrown in there in, in Lisbon. So I've been traveling a lot, even more than I would like, given. Still the global circumstance, but it's been nice to you know, catch up with friends from home and get to see the family and do all sorts of stuff. But last week was my first weekend in like a, oh my god, like this two month spell where I I actually had nothing on and I just feel it was just it was that kind of, just that reprieve that I needed <laughs> after <laughs> all. That, I can only do so much socializing, socializing, socializing. Clearly, you've done too much socializing. Exactly, <laughs> lost my ability to speak. But yeah, I just needed just needed that. That I needed to, I, I needed that circuit breaker, if you'll forgive the use of that term. Oh, Christ. Oh, God. I mean, I think we all don't need to hear the word circuit breaker anytime soon. Mm, well, we'll see. Let's not dwell on that. Exactly. But I, I'll give an I'll update on my no drinking November that I committed to on this podcast. No. No. November. <laughs> It's it, it it it's gone reasonably well. I I mean, look, I didn't. The, the world, like I said, ha, has kind of gone on fire a little bit again. So there was two nights when I'm like, ooh ooh, this could be the last time I'm actually going to have a drink this year. So I I have drank two nights. Oh, not very much, and that's pretty good. I'm still delighted with myself because there's going to be a, a a raucous amount of drinking, I imagine, considering that I got myself a beer advent calendar. There's definitely going to be a. A lot of drink consumed over the old December period. <laughs> this is like necessary this year. This is like a, this is like an AA meeting. Like I'm proud of myself, you know. Only had two beers over this 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 period, you know. And it's like, it's like you're looking for feedback. I feel like you're. I, are you in a circle of people, and I just happen to be calling in? Like, I'm, am I'm I interrupting not, something? <laughs> I'm just looking for uh, for validation. This this is all this this podcast is to validate my drinking habit. <laughs> Who's who made the calendar? By the way, is it like a Beaver Town one, or is it just a random 
mix of beers? It is a Irish company called Beer Cloud, which are based in Athlone. I don't believe it. The heart yeah. of Ireland. The, the heart of Ireland. So I'm no, looking forward to actually... Full of choice, but they're, they're actually there's a great company in Athlone called Dead Center Brewing, and they're awesome. So hopefully there's Ooh. actually a few of those beers in there. No, I don't think there is. Ah, that's <laughs> let's a pity. Hope there is. Gosh, Jesus, they missed the mark there, didn't they? Yeah, well, I mean, they really did. They <laughs> really did. <laughs> Any local beers? No, 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 no. But there might be some. In- no, don't check it, low. But we might support local. No, don't. If you're listening, by the way, to this beer cloud, funny do you say a beer, a beer advent calendar? Just, just a little tip. Maybe, maybe. Just have some doors. Have some doors you can open on it. Have some, you know, little windows as opposed to just a sheet of cardboard. But anyway, maybe that's my fault. Maybe I didn't read the <laughs> description properly. <laughs> so it's just a crate of beers is what you're telling me. You've ordered a crate of beer. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, You've ordered yeah. 24 beers. That's all that's happened. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially, essentially, and I'm going to drink one every night in December. That's essentially what's happening. Perfect. Enough with this ludicrous Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Let's move <laughs> on to the to the AAA content. <laughs> ah, nice. Well done. Uh, r- let me write that down somewhere. That's that's a good one. Ah, Ross, supposed, wait, Ross, be recorded. Idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gobshite confirmed. But we're going to talk about so there's three movies that we've I, I've seen two and Rob's seen one so uh, we're going to talk about some movies here give our thoughts because we don't do reviews again Rob you know this I, I know for the, for the love of God I've said it so many times we don't do reviews here but we have some thoughts exactly yeah. some some thoughts that's that's a better way to put it some gentle t- some gentle thoughts nothing too over the tip of the dip I mean, you don't know. You don't know maybe what I'm about to say. Next. Oh yeah, I don't. Know. I don't. Know. I don't even know why I said that. No one knew. I'm. I'm on the call with you. I should have. I should have refrained. I mean, there's there's gentle enough comments, but I guess because you've seen one and I've seen two, I guess I'll start and you can go and then I'll go again. That's probably Perfect. the best way to do this. Ah and yeah. We'll start off with the old. The, the kind of film that was released first uh, out of the tree. Now, again, folks, you don't need to worry. We don't do spoilers on this show because things are just out and it's kind of shitty to spoil them, if you ask me. Give opinions, give thoughts, and then people go see it for themselves and make it up. But uh, Rob hasn't seen it either, so I definitely don't want to spoil it for him. And this is a film we were both very, very much looking forward to. Mm. And that is the film Dune or June or what way do you pronounce it, Rob? I mean, I guess Dune makes more sense because June is a month. So... I, it makes it probably easier for people to understand Dune. Yeah, is it? and with, with, with I, my accent, if I say June too much, it's like, is he saying chewing? What's, yeah. he, what's, he, what's he chewing? What's he even talking about? I, that's That word is the least of everybody's concerns when you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, there's so much cryptic conversationalist going on that it's hard to even follow what's going on. In general, do you do you say sand dune or sand dune? God, you're in my. I was just I was running that through my head as we were describing it. I was like, what? what way do I say it? I literally was like, I transported myself to Strand Hill. There, it's just like, do I say the dunes or the dunes? And I think I, I think I say dunes. But now I'm now I think I'm, I honestly I'm second guessing myself left, right, and center here. What would do you it be? say? Do you say str- Strand Hill or Strand? <laughs> I say Strand Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much. Jesus. Do you know what this is like? It, it, it's like it's like a, a toast in London, where for some reason oh. the way he pronounces 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 things. There's another one. The way he pronounces things, like Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> is, is it that? Or is it yeah Bruce Forsyth? Yeah, he goes Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Bruce it, Fuss dies. <laughs> just deliberately not how anybody else pronounces it. So oh t- Toss to London, everybody, uh, stars Matt Berry. And now the, the the June or Dune review is just going to talk about us. It's basically <laughs> going to be us talking about Matt Berry and how funny Matt Berry is for the and next what, 25 and what, minutes. And I why imagine. he should have been in June. <laughs> well, he, well, he's in Moon. <laughs> or Moon. Or Mune. <laughs> Mune. <laughs> Oh, excellent. I wonder if you get much uh, remuneration for that film. Ah, you dirty bollocks. Wowzers. Wowzers. But, what did Ross think of Dune, I guess? Uh, Look, (laughs) go see it, folks. That's what I will say. Rob, you're definitely going to see it at some point. I think I might be seeing it tomorrow, actually. Uh, That's the the current plan. Yeah, just as I said, my aforementioned schedule prevented me from seeing it properly. So I need to see it now soon before it's out of the swimmers. Excellent. Well, I don't have I don't have any spoiler thoughts on it at all. What I will say is that I feel like Rob, you will love it. Absolutely it's love it. My kind of vibe. I feel. I feel like it's my energy. A hundred thousand percent your type of energy and your type of vibe. And more importantly, you haven't seen the original, right? And uh, no. And I, ha- exactly. and I think you and I had that conversation debating: is it even worth trying to, you know, fit that in or something? Trying to trying to make that work beforehand and i was like maybe that's too mental maybe this is the one to enjoy raw and then revisit the bonkers nature of the original film i feel like that's a better sequence at the end of the day a hundred and you've literally covered kind of what i was going to say so i have five thoughts that i wrote down here the first one is it's a, a slow moving very thoughtful movie that is only hurt in its comparison with the original and what i mean by that is that if you go into this film fresh I imagine you're going to love it. Like, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, one of my friends, Enda, who saw it, we had a lot of disagreements about this. He thinks it's just terrible and he's wrong about that. <laughs> it's who he is. And I told him that to his face. I mean, by face, I mean over text, obviously. But <laughs> it's... it's you, I think you're going to love it. If you haven't seen the original, you've just no in your... Because I was almost preempting it. Mm. It, it, it. It very is... It really is almost a... A shot for shot remake in certain parts there is there is extra bits kind of add on the problem is is that they don't necessarily add too much to the film they actually okay. just more kind of add to the runtime <laughs> not never yeah. a good <laughs> that's never it's, a good detail it's like bond it, yeah it's it's not to be fair there it is shot wonderfully and uh, oscar isaac is absolutely incredible in this movie ah steals every scene he's really subtle it's not that he does anything tremendously like he's not over the top or whatever but he's very very good the, the bad guys are well one of the bad guys is menacing the the other guys look he's not so great doesn't doesn't do too much um but the the the, the, the shots some of the scenes with the with the, the sand dunes and all that and the spaceships and some of the the beautiful glorious kind of slow pans are just and that's what i feel like you are going to love the cinematography alone i think is just like designed for someone like you and me mm. to be fair in mind very cool yeah i because I, I enjoy i think i've said this too before i i love and i know this is isn't technically original but i it's original to me in the sense that i haven't seen it or read the book i haven't seen the original or read the book so i always like this this well semi dystopian it's dystopian i suppose in the sense depending on what planet you're on sort of sci-fi alternate reality big sweeping unusual oh. tech vistas unusual technologies that you're not used to like i like that novel not normally seen kind of approach i like i like science fiction in general but i find a lot of it falls into easy kind of templates you know, in terms of, ah, oh, we'll have a blaster for this kind of thing and this kind of a space report. This, just going by the trailers, they're really trying to set it aside as 
this has its own energy this has its own style and kind of flair and sort of unique they've just i don't it just looks so polished it looks so polished and i was actually going to ask you as well who do you felt who, who out of the cast do you feel um kind of stole the show a little bit but obviously it's good old oscar and i think that's it's a, i feel like that's a director oscar. i feel like that's a director trademark where he excels at giving supporting characters he just so it's whatever way he films them they just they just have the more reserved characters have such an impact like if you think of 2049 that blade that blade runner sequel even dave batista at the start just the slow pace to that scene and how kind of the, the, the slow toffler approach to how it all unfolds is really like impactful and actually for me really sold batista's acting chops but that's another conversation but i feel like that's I'm not, that's a whole other thing but I feel like that's kind of a director trademark is giving the supporting characters real sort of substance that you on that it's not the lead that gets everything basically yeah now the problem I will say with that is that Dave Batista is in this movie oh is he and he is very bad in it now it's <laughs> not his fault I guess it's the, it's the character or the way it was decided that character would be he just and I guess that actually feeds into my next point about what I will say because again and this is it's only in comparison to the original version that I saw because the whole kind of thing it lacks a certain creative madness that the original had and without spoiling it the, the original had some like absolutely bonkers stuff that I'm surprised that they actually put on screen <laughs> and realistically it was because it was released in the era it is and that was absolute like bonkers stuff was okay to put in the movie back then without any explanation whereas because of the more grounded more realistic approach to this film it would have stuck out like a sore thumb if some of the same things had happened um without spoiling what i'm talking about but letting people know what i'm talking about i will say how they get from planet to planet in the original versus this one in is very different and that is all i will say and then the last thing I will say to just leave it, some of the pacing oh. towards the end, oh, say, so towards the second half, some of the pacing is not great. I think the first half is wonderfully paced, every bit of it, and I want it to stay there. Second half is not so greatly paced. But All then right. last thing, overall, very, very enjoyable movie, very tr- enjoyably throughout, beautifully directed, but it, just purely in comparison, it misses some of that little bit of mad, like touch of madness to it. But does it need that? Probably not. It's just because I saw the original, I was expecting it, and that's all. Ah, uh, okay. So maybe there's an element of you, the, the the original was so bonkers that that's kind of shaped your view of the Dune, the Duneverse. Exactly. So it's hard for you to now go back to a more measured <laughs> 2021 interpretation of the source material, and like it does exactly. sound like it's supposed to be kind of mental anyway. So I, I, I my understanding is that Villeneuve had to make it more palatable for people. Yeah. Who, have no experience so like if the, the film has to, like this is all this is this classic case of there there's but there's commercial decisions have to be made to make it more accessible versus like if this was only a 20 million dollar movie maybe they could have made it more batshit crazy but they spent like 200 million on this so they need to make sure people go yeah. and see it that part doesn't surprise me i i imagine it's more subdued than even the book let alone the uh that original movie yeah, and there's not, like, you know, it's not that they stripped out any imagination, because they, they didn't. There is plenty of imagination. It's just a different kind of imagination. And in a way, it makes it a different sort of sci-fi movie, which is not a bad thing. It's just because expectations from, from already seeing the original, and it is 
very, very, very similar. I mean, tremendously similar in what, obviously the story is, is the same story, I guess, but it is even the kind of way things happen and all that is very, very similar. So because of that, you're always a little bit like, oh, I, I kind of expected it to happen this way. But look, oh, okay. definitely go see it. I think you will love it. I really enjoyed it. And it was wrong. And like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting that they that there's that much of a similarity between the, the two f- movies. I, that is surprising. I thought they'd really like, like you were saying, shot for shot. That part surprises me. Like, I know the, not the whole film, but even I would have thought they would have is it? Do you feel like in those circumstances they're paying respect to the old one, or they just couldn't think of another way to do it, so they literally just shot for shot remade it? I, do you know what I mean? I don't. Th- I don't think they're paying respects to it. I just think it's you know events play out in a certain way, and I guess there is only so many ways you can shape those events. But uh, like I said about the extending bits to to maybe make the film go on longer, like for, there's some bits that happen in the original that I think make more sense structurally. As opposed to what they happen in here, where I'm like, okay, that this exact same scene could have happened, and we could have, you know, cut out forty minutes of the movie. So I was a little bit surprised, but again, that doesn't make it bad because you want to live in the world longer and you want it to take its time. And it is a very slow film, so to to maybe try and fit loads of it together in one part would have hurt if you had drawn out earlier on. You know, because mm. people then would be like, well, this is uneven because they're talking ages about that part. And now it's blazing through this part, which <laughs> the original does. So, okay, fair enough. Well, it sounds like almost like, and this might surprise you, but I think it's his name, Rafe Bashir or something, Bashir, the, the guy who made the original animated Lord of the Rings film. That astonishingly has far more of an influence on the look and feel of Peter Jackson's trilogy than you would initially think and if you were to watch them side by side some of even the framing of the characters and the shots are identical and this is going from an animated film to a live action and everything and there's 30 years apart or 25 years apart between the two of them i remember thinking how how is this the case can he not come up with something i just it just surprised me that they that there was that much of an overlap in some of the in how it looked and felt at times other other times it looks very different to be fair but then sometimes it really surprised me is Aragon played by John Hurt in that movie? Um, I don't know, but there's definitely the whole film gives me uncanny valley creepiness vibes. At yeah, times. yeah. Don't I don't love the ima- the uh, the animation in that film. It's like it's almost like a cell shaded thing put on top of real people, which is maybe how it was filmed or whatever. But it's that's a little weird, a little weird for my tests. Yeah, a little, really slimy and drooly in parts. Is that I'm just like blah, slimy blah, blah, and drooly. Blah, 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 I love blah, that blah. slimy and drooly animation. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh. So there you go. Okay, Rob, you're up with your film. What did you see, my friend? I saw Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright, and I, I you know, we don't do reviews here, so no, I definitely just don't you... do reviews here. <laughs> but uh, Jesus, let me bloody tell you, fuck off with that. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is basically the, the general premise here is that there's this fashion student who goes to London to go to fashion school because she's making dresses and clothes and stuff. And when she and she's uh, living in an old house in Soho in London, which is an area in London, of course, and in New York, apparently. But that's not part of the that's that's relevant here as far as the <laughs> film is concerned. But she starts dreaming about experiences of this other girl back in the 60s in London who was trying to become a sort of a famous singer and kind of the trials and tribulations she goes through and then she starts to sort of think and feel that this isn't just dreams that you know she they're, they're too real 
and maybe these things actually happened and it's her kind of sort of trying to deal with this and uh, it all slowly starts to unravel into bonkers town as the film progresses um so my initial thoughts is yeah i thought this was good um this is not his strongest work i th- i don't think for me i think it uh, i went in having loved baby driver i really and of course the Cornetto trilogy is great fun hot fuzz is is my personal favorite out of those i i just love how you know how that one could have played out scott pilgrim is a flawless recreation of a comic book and the reason i say this isn't as strong as i think this film struggles with its identity more than the others i like so hot fuzz is a is a buddy cop movie slash comedy and scott pilgrim is obviously a comic book film sort of sort of like you know an alternative but still a comic book film so it falls into it it leans into that aesthetic and then baby driver is kind of a a heist action movie i feel like this film struggles with its identity it's kind of half horror half thriller and you might find you might think that those overlap but it kind of rather than picking one or the other it kind of sits in the middle and i i i think it misses a trick in in the potential i think this uh, the potential of what it could be as a as a you know as a, as a genre film i i thought the premise was interesting but it i don't know it just kind of it just kind of fell flat for me a little bit i felt like they could have done far more with the mechanic that they spent so long establishing in the film and it left a lot unexplained for me i, I like the the ending is supposed to leave you leave you kind of going oh or has it left me kind of go- left me kind of going uh. <laughs> I, i'm trying not to spoil it but i i think i think it's i think it's competent i think it's, i think there's re- there's some really good fun here i think it lacks the signature edgar wright's trademark style and flair and editing that we're so used to this actually feels more bland in comparison certainly from just a production quality standpoint uh, i'm not sure if you know much about it but that's my initial the, take without spoiling too much the, the the problem i guess and like even though it sounds like a criticism saying it's not his best work is not a criticism because no he his work is so like unbelievable like al- almost perfection in all his films so saying that it's the worst creation is not necessarily a criticism at all but yeah like yeah. i guess because this doesn't have i mean even from the get-go it's not as unique a creation as the others i mean the others stand out instantly scott pilgrim instantly stands out it's an indie comic book movie hot fuzz buddy cop movie uh you know sean the ted zombie film they all have a, a specific okay that's so genre 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 and this doesn't really have that like you said it kind of mixes both so because of that it already probably doesn't have a unique and independent voice on its own because even even the trailer doesn't necessarily come across nearly as strong as those movies and that's again not a criticism it's just the style of film it is but because of that it's not going to make as much an impact i guess on you as they or the other ones did like okay so you've 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 really honed in on a point there i guess i was i guess i was struggling to articulate it but just that just that that sort of just that level of like his films are so precisely tuned because he's so like he's so obsessive with detail that i think just the the it's not that this is a bad film. This is far better than so many other films. So much of the generic tripe that comes out of the US these days. Or, well, just, you know, the general big budget stuff is awful tack altogether. This is still much better than a lot of those. I'm comparing it to his other films and what I know he's capable of. Um, and I just think the topic didn't lend itself to his flair and his style. I think his style actually suits comedy far better yeah. uh, and action. This, because... And like it's in, there's definitely some interesting this 
without spoiling too much, like they're, they're, obviously she's dreaming of being like she's dreaming seeing this girl in the sixties, and she's kind of there's these amazing blends of like where it's woman and it's her, and then the next second it's the girl she's she's imagining in the dream, and how it seamlessly blends her interacting with the characters in her dream directly versus being a fly in the wall sort of watching it from afar. Like that, he he balances that so effectively in some scenes. You're really like. It's really impressive stuff, but that's just that's just you know that's just how they're how it's operating technically. Like it, it, you can't build a whole film on that one mechanic; it's not enough. Yeah, because um, it sounds more like a video game. If anything, it really sounds like some kind of Beyond Two Souls or something like that. It's just uh, a little bit. Yeah, and like the, the cast are good. Um, you Anna Taylor Joy, Anya is it Anya or Anna? Anna Taylor Joy is think, yeah. Yeah, she's just she's she's just really interesting as just you know, just as a person to look at, let alone as an actress. But she is quite she's a really good presence. Um, so she's really entertaining when she's uh, on screen. Matt yeah, Smith is, is it in her, it. Is it her in like? Does she play the same? Like, does she play? No, the role? actually. Oh, no. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's just in the sixties, as you can see in the trailer, and then it's a different uh, this New Zealand actress that I whose name escapes me. Um, I actually haven't seen her anything else. So I'm not. I'm not sure if she, what she what she's necessarily famous for before this, but she's she's very good as well, and she definitely gives it her all. Um, as certainly as the tension wraps up or ramps up in the film, but um, uh, I just think it just it felt like there's bits where she just kind of trips around London. And it it felt like this isn't the like this doesn't this is not conducive to Edgar Rice. This all this interaction. This is not. This is not the zone that you live in. I think he was probably really drawn in by this story idea, and I think he maybe struggled to translate it on screen. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe this is the exact vision he had. I just it didn't it didn't sit perfectly with me in terms maybe, of how it all came yeah. together. Maybe he was he just wasn't the right man for the job. Maybe maybe this is it. I don't know if he wrote it or not. Actually, that's a really good question. But yeah. uh, look, I would say I think this is worth a watch. If you enjoy it, go right. You'll still get enjoyment out of it. And I think this there's a unique enough story here. At least it's original. For God's sake, thank God we're getting more original films. So that's yeah. But yeah. by by its own right, at least it's an original premise and it's interesting. And there's enough, definitely enough mystery and intrigue. <laughs> I love that phrase throughout the film to like to keep you kind of guessing what's happening. Um, and there's and as is always the case, there's some there's still some of his trademark stuff there. There are some shocks, some unexpected shocks in there to catch you off guard. And also, this is I think he's striving to make this a horror film. I don't I wouldn't call this horror. I don't think it's traditionally scary enough to be a horror film. But there's enough. There's some the way he deals with the horror elements. I will say are are pretty interesting as well to his credit. So, so without, without ruining it, then is there some kind of like supernatural elements? So, uh, it's sort of. Okay. And that becomes like, and they actually establish sort of the the rules of the film fairly quickly on, so you actually you kind of know how it's going to escalate. I like that, credit. you see, because I yeah. like that. I do like that. I mean, yeah. I have to give him a pass at all times now because again, he did tweet at us to give out about the fact that I taught. Him. <laughs> oh yeah, he hates the show. I don't know why I'm praising him. He's a, he's yeah. an enemy of the show. I forgot about that. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, I mistakenly on World X Men Day tweeted at him saying, "Oh yeah, X Men First Class was a great movie. Thanks, Edgar Wright." And he went, "Well, you're welcome, but I didn't direct it." So yeah, there was <laughs> we have prior I love history. How you're such a good fan of him. You're such a big. <laughs> And, and like that's 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 how you got in contact with him. That's what that's what generated the response. Yeah, that, that that's uh, the recognition he gives me. Yeah, you fool. Yeah, <laughs> you you imbecile. How dare you? That's not what he sounds like. 
I, but, I, uh, I still want to see it though. I actually, I like, I want to see that before the Eternals. If that's, if that's any, any sort of uh, oh, shows you where I am. That that's the route I took. I haven't seen yeah. Eternals. And and look, I will say I still think people would enjoy this. And I think maybe I think if you went in not knowing, not going on, not going in with all that bloody baggage I have around my expectations for Edgar Wright, I think you people would probably some people would really enjoy this because it's not inaccessibly terrifying like horror. It's kind of more of a bit psychological kind of a thriller vibe. I would argue just like and there's some, there's some good fun, there's some good fun to be having it as well. So um, so Rob, the most important metric. Because we don't do reviews, but the most important metric would Ross enjoy it? Yes, on balance, he would. Well, well, then I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a right to the cinema, I guess, <laughs> and watch it. Ah, yeah, good times. I'll definitely mm. go see it. Okay, then let's move on to our. Unless there's anything else you had to, you gotta, you gotta. No, I, about it. I. Although I, I did, I did say that sheepishly. I'm nervous that I think it's a fine line between you liking it and not liking it. If I'm honest. No, no, no. You've. You, you've cast, you've cast your aspersions now. Uh, you said I'd enjoy it. <laughs> That's not an aspersion. Every, every second, I couldn't think of, the, of another word to use other than aspersions, Rob. So fair enough. Aspersions, it is. Aspersions galore. The whole way through, the, every second of every scene, I'm gonna be like, "Am I enjoying this?" <laughs> I mean, I feel like I should be like that anyway when I watch a film, rather than just being like, "Well, this is shit." And at the end, I love the. Absolutely yeah, good. exactly, exactly. Despite all the shittery throughout the film, yeah. I, I had a good time with that. Yeah, yeah. But look, uh, speaking of shit, let's talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes! <laughs> the segue. That segue had to happen. That segue had to happen. <laughs> and look, no, no. I, 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 I jest. I jest somewhat, okay? Rob, you know full well about my love for Ghostbusters. Adoration. You know. They're the gods of Ross's religion. Bill and Dan and Rick. No. Who's the director who also... Harold. Harold uh, Ramis. That's who I was thinking. Harold Ramis. There you go. It is indeed Harold Ramis. Yeah, well, he didn't He didn't direct it, but he, he wrote it with, with Dan Aykroyd. Ah, okay. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, and of course, Ernie Hudson, just to round out, round out the Fordham and the goddess that is Sigourney Weaver, because she is one of my idols and always will be. Mm. I adore her. Your kind of woman. My, my kind a of woman stern a weaver in her way into my into Bendy. my what am I what was I going to say there Jesus whoa whoa let's wear that back Ross <laughs> so Rob what is your what is your shall we shall we shall we get your get your like on a, on a scale of one to looking forward to this movie where would you find yourself well well now I don't know three and that's only because of Paul Rudd because he's a delight in general, but I don't know what he's like in this. But look, I I don't have near the allegiance to Ghostbusters that you do. It's a very important part of your I was gonna say childhood, but I think your very existence hinges around Ghostbusters. If you you're like a it's like recharging your batteries every year when you watch it. Like I've seen the first one, um haven't even seen the second one properly, tried to watch that god <laughs> that god awful remake on a plane. I couldn't finish it. I just wasn't enjoying it. So that's I gotta get that, this that's where I'm at. Oh my goddamn plane! <laughs> <laughs> Remakes on the plane. I like <laughs> oh, there's the title. There's the episode title. Yeah, that's the episode title. Remakes on the plane. Remakes Look, on the plane. Ju- just to set, just to set expectations and where we are right off the bat. This is better than the 2016 version because functionally. Uh, it is it is a movie you know like there is a narrative that works as a movie I, I, pretty much 
pretty mm. much for the most part. Okay. So it is it is better than the 2016 version. Let's get our expectations right out the door. But my first point that I had wrote down, this was right after I saw the movie, I went and wrote it down. Uh, and look, you said there that you don't have an allegiance to Ghostbusters. My friends who haven't seen it really enjoyed it or said it was thoroughly enjoyable. People who have seen the original Ghostbusters and like it the way I do don't seem to enjoy it. So that's, so that's yeah, about that, where we are. Like That stacks up. That's kind of where I sort of felt it would land. Yeah. So, so the literal first point I wrote is, does it feel like Ghostbusters? And then I said, no. <laughs> so like, yeah, I guess that's, it has the same music and all that, but it just, and this is a thing that I guess you can probably help me out here and, and tell me if you agree with this, right? So okay. because of the, the, the Stranger things vacation of the world, right? The way, the way like movies now and the way these kind of movies can be told is that you, to, for it to be a kid's movie, you have to replace all the adults with kids, you know? Like if it's a kid's comedy movie, you need kids to be the characters who are, who are starring in it, you know? Yeah, and I, yeah. I disagree with that. I don't think you do. Like those 80s movies, lots of times, like Ghostbusters, had adults as main characters and they had adult problems, but it's okay to make the comedy accessible for both children and adults and this film because of that focus on the children the tone is just so different to what the original ghostbusters was so much so that it's not really a comedy at all oh dearie me is it too real life is it too real too much real life struggles family oh. struggles and and the, the modern world and getting by is it a lot of that the, the, the first half of the movie is essentially an indie drama <laughs> Why? It doesn't have to be. It, it doesn't have to be. It, it it takes a route that I did not expect it to go. And it's it's ver- the whole film. And this is why everybody seems to enjoy it. It's a very emotional movie. It's a very moving movie. And I'm like, that's not what Ghostbusters is. Ghostbusters is about a, a group of schlubs starting up a business and being all like, you know, sarcastic for, for Bill Murray and like nice, naive and like kind of excitable and in, in with uh, Ray Stance and all our stands. Okay, so you know it's it's not really about like yeah. this raw emotional. So so it's it's plain like it, it it has a nostalgia and a love for what Ghostbusters is, but it's more about a nostalgia for like a franchise, as in what the Ghostbusters franchise means to people, rather than what the in-universe you know kind of characters and what the movie should actually be. Like but, it's more. Yeah. A celebration of the franchise of Ghostbusters, as opposed to, well, let's just make another Ghostbusters movie. Ugh, it's like that. It's like that annoying thing where these days, because everything is under such scrutiny, and oof, to be very careful, I have to be very careful how I phrase, it, phrase this. Ooh, <laughs> but, oh, 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 hot ew. take! Hot take coming in. You don't have to be the same level of inclusive and aware in every single movie, especially if it's already an established franchise or body of work put an indie drama but you put it in the ghostbusters world those those worlds will collide ultimately and they might necessarily gel and then all that you're doing is you're kind of taking from you're soaking up time from really the content and the the fun and the energy that people came to see just to kind of just to feel like you're adding some interesting new element to something that doesn't really need it it's okay for it just to be you know a continuation yeah, in, I, I, in in that I, world, but without, without it having to deal with too much of the 
the people like people are not going to go to bust go to see Ghostbusters to see a gripping family drama. Drama. They want pure silly escapism because that's what the first one was. Ex- exactly. And then the problem is it can't reconcile those two things when you know the kind of the ghostly silliness comes into it. All of a sudden you're like, what, what tone is this going for? This went from like. I mean, the film kind of starts out with the mother of, like, a single mother of two children and she can't pay the bills over their heads and they have to move away. And, you know, she's, like, really struggling. And she's, like, she's one scene you see her just asleep on, on, on the, the dinner table with a glass of wine. And you're, like, this is... And then she's, like, the daughter has no friends. And she, like, the whole, the, like, the kind of clever catchphrase she has with her daughter is, like, don't be yourself and all this. It's really, like... And then, and then all of a sudden the ghosts come into it. I'm like, what? Where is the? And then Paul Rudd, like you said earlier, I don't necessarily know what Paul Rudd is like in this film. Like you do. He's he's just Paul Rudd. He <laughs> he he just he's just like Paul Rudd. Just walked into set one day by accident, and they went, just film him. Just just film him. It it doesn't. His character doesn't fit in with the yeah. tone of anything else that's happening. He's funny in it. He's really cool. He's like Paul Rudd. Everyone loves Paul Rudd, right? He's like he's really endearing, but it's. He doesn't fit in with anything else that's happening in the movie. So it's like, what is, what is this? I know that's a shame because he's dream casting if they've, if they dealt with the material effectively. Like he's, if you think of the vein of, you know, obviously Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, they're from, that's a different era. Of, so yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't try and, you wouldn't try and replicate them, but he's a good, if it went down another team of people ghost busting, he's a great, he'd be a great addition to that team. If yeah. that was the version that of the film that we got, basically. I feel. And, and now, not, again, not to ruin it, but look, there's not really any ghost busters. I have that in, in inverted commas in this film. Like, it's not... Like, you know, the original obviously sets a team of ghost busters up. That's, that's not really what this film does. It's not what it's about. So that's why I'm like... It, it's really off-center from what the original was trying to go for. It's, 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 it is a string of callbacks strung together to make a movie and like callbacks to like th- there's an ad-libbed scene in the original Ghostbusters where uh, Egon <laughs> says something to uh, Bill Murray's character to Venkman and all of a sudden Bill Murray just takes out and he just ad-libbed it completely he takes out a sweet like a candy bar and w- wipes it in in what's uh, in Egon's face and Egon just takes it out of his hand and Bill Murray smiles and that's all it was it's a funny little moment yeah, for some reason, this one, he, like, they have to find that sweet rapper in a locker because it's like, remember the sweet rapper? And you're like, oh, guys, come on. We don't... Nah. Like, ev- everything is held in reverence. And because of that, nothing seems normal. Nothing is just a thing. There's a there's a scene for the Ecto-1. There's a scene for the, the, the guns. There's a scene for the proton packs. There's a scene for the trap. It's like, nothing just happens for the sake of the movie. Everything happens to be... Do you remember? You loved that thing from Ghostbusters. Here it is again. It's like the Force Awakens basically was the worst thing to ever happen to movies because this is what it's this is what it's done. Yeah, it's man. We already talked about this. This is this this is what ultimately the the Snyder Cup became. It's like remember this cool thing. Well, here it is. It, it, I feel like you can make a film off little vignettes of just old stuff. It's just they yes. even did it with like Jurassic World. Just like oh, do you remember this yeah. car? Yeah, look at this. This car was in Jurassic Park. Isn't that cool that we thought yeah. to put this in the film? Doesn't that make the film great? No, it doesn't. Go put your own ideas. Don't yeah. need to just you don't need to just put stuff in a movie and then carry. You're just riding on the coattails of the film without even really trying. Then because all you're doing and is I... just stitching random shit together and expecting that to qualify as amazing for people. 
Like in, like, like Jurassic World 2, they're like, the same T-Rex, and it's also the same Brachiosaurus from the original. And you're like, stop. Just stop it, please. Like, oh, but that makes it better, right? No, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. It's meaningless in the, in the context of the story. Like, what's it? It doesn't matter. Oh, my God. Now, look, was it was it all bad? No, it definitely wasn't. The, the, the main kid character... Uh, is excellent she is brilliant she's a really really great actress and you really get drawn into her Paul Rudd is really funny you know he does feel like he's in a different movie but he is really funny Um, your man Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things the best thing I can say is that he's barely in it because he's really annoying in it the, obviously the original music is in there and there is some like lovey references and stuff like that but it's just the problem is like I really wanted to love this film and I want I really did want to enjoy it but it's there's just it's just so strange and like it's it's the modern movie thing. I just think the more I think about it, I'm like maybe I just don't like modern movies because you know there's no subtlety. It's all crazy, overblown CGI madness that I'm like, oh, what is this? What is this? You know, there's no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I'd like you. I'd like to know what you think of it because because you're not as invested in the original film as I am. I would love to know if you can just watch it separate from all that and be like oh this is just an enjoyable film where because i know all the little references all i can be is like oh god oh god oh the sweet rapper oh oh god Re- oh even even shandor really oh god you know what i mean like hmm. yeah there's there's I, not that you can't do references but i think there's a there's an art to it and doing it effectively where it doesn't disrupt things you can just notice them yourself but the movie moves on so the people who are watching it who do recognize it enjoy it for themselves but it doesn't stop to tell all the other people going hey guys so this is the original film would you like to know what's going on here and everyone's like no we don't we don't need to know about this i think it just looks like a chocolate bar no fuck that you're gonna listen and we're gonna talk about the chocolate bar <laughs> do you remember the twinkie when he said it's a really big twinkie the twinkie's in it again remember the this proton pack remember this one thing that was mentioned like off screen well that's in it as well and you're like just can you just the like, flowers hate... are still standing. Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> oh, and uh, look, I mean, this is not spoiling anything at all. I know they're in it. No, no, There's... no, no. No, no, not even that. There's halfway through the film, but maybe maybe a third of the way into the film, the kids get arrested for some reason. They're like 12-year-old kids. One of them's called Podcast. It's just, anyway. But they get arrested, <laughs> and the girl goes, oh, don't I have a phone call? Do you know what's coming? Uh, who are we going to call? The sheriff turns around and he says, who are you going to call? I mean, <laughs> the whole, but, the seats I was in started groaning under me. Never mind me, like. <laughs> they had to put that one in. I'd be okay with just that one and then they abandoned loads of other bits, but, well, maybe that was too ham-fisted. Maybe. Maybe that's the issue. It's that. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a real easy guess that they didn't have in it and I'm like, of everything you put in, you don't put that in it. It makes no sense. But yeah, look, I just didn't, it, it misses the point entirely of what Ghostbusters was. <laughs> but I would love to know what you think about Rob. And anybody listening, please <sighs> send us mail, send us tweets on this, send us your opinions because I really want to get the vibe on it. It's doing very well at the box office apparently. So there you go. Well, I'm glad for that because I feel like Ivan Reitman has had a hard go would make movies and and then people not going to see them so maybe that's why he picked an existing franchise is he's sick of just being <laughs> i mean he makes low budget indie movies anyway but i, mean, I feel like it's been a while since he's had a hit I feel. his dad directed the original so there is look i get that there's love there he was in ghostbusters too i get there's reverence there but just we've just come full circle to the stage where 
there is actually almost no movie there. It's just it's just reverence to a film that's like supposed to be a, a one-off 80s comedy with some SNL characters. You know, it's like, come on, guys. Not everything has to be this franchise we have to pour our love over. And, and this is from somebody who loves the original. So yeah. maybe, though, I'm overcritical. Best left alone, I feel. Best left alone. But I will, I, I will watch... I'll watch Ghostbusters. Okay, well now that we're, we're caught up there, but how ham-fisted were the cameos? Because I've seen the trailer. They're up, they're aggressively in there, in the trailer, because they felt like they needed to get people in into the cinema. Is it bad? M- it mo- most of the film, most of the film makes no sense. And obviously when they show up, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> most of the storyline, the background storyline that's set up in the indie drama, the way it's resolved, makes no sense none of it the character motivations between the ghostbusters for the very brief appearance they make make no sense some of the characters that show up some of the the, the internal conflict between the main characters makes no sense none of the characters really do it it's like (laughs) nothing makes sense in this movie at the rate you're going well you have to just like at one stage paul rudd just lets a lets a a ghost go in front of everybody and just never mentioned again like So, so I hate to keep mentioning Bumblebee. I really do. But like, I think Bumblebee walked that line between reference <laughs> for the franchise. Bumblebum, I thought you were going to say. Bumblebum. You were just like, I'm Bumblebee. I'm Bumblebee. <laughs> but you know, but Bumblebee did walk that line between reverence for the franchise, but actually let's tell a coherent story with, you know, character motivations and reasons the characters do stuff. Whereas this is just... Yeah, there's, there's one point where, where somebody's like, shouldn't you be scared to the kid? And she's like, I process emotions differently than you do. And you're like, Ugh. that's such a such a adult, some like, you know, adult 45-year-old lad in Hollywood eating a donut and drinking a coffee and just writing, oh, this is, yeah, that's what a child sounds like, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I like this. this guy I like, here, like, I'm the one saying that. I'm no, I'm no spring <laughs> chicken myself, like. I like the detail about the donut. I like that you threw that in there. Because that actually, well, that, that gave me the image that I have the image of some schmuck in Hollywood writing this. There's like crumbs all <laughs> over his laptop as he's writing it, like, you know? Yeah. He just hears somebody say, he's like, ah, that, yeah, that's good. Janitor walks by. I process my emotions differently. That'll do. I was just looking for something, just a filler. Just something to yeah. respond with. Just, just something so I don't have to make sense of a character's emotions. I can just, yeah, every time something yeah. happens, I can be like, there you go. We'll yeah, because he, back to he wrote one. himself into a hole. He's just like, oh, I don't know what to do here. Ah, just, just get myself out of it. Just just, just a hard left turn <laughs> with this line. gets. This is the excuse. This is just like a lovely paintbrush over the whole thing. Easily covers the paints over the cracks of why she wouldn't or would make a decision, basically. <sighs> Modern filmmaking, baby. It's lazy. Modern filmmaking is la- this is the, the a perfect example of how lazy modern filmmaking gets. It is a perfect example of that. I do like. Do you want me to spoil one little bit for you? It's like it's sure, kinda... ma- man. I'm not precious about it. Feel free to perfect. feel free to spoil it. Okay, folks. If anybody doesn't want to hear a spoiler, go uh, skip a minute ahead. So I'll just say it really quickly. I said it before about Star Wars and the last Star Wars film where they just take the villain from the original and do it again. That is literally what they do here. Like the villain is the same villain. The dogs are in it the same character as the villain again. It's just the same thing again. Like, it's copy and pasted, the third act. Well, if that was what they were going to do, then they should have just brought back the original cast and just had fun with them. This is what, yeah, this is why I don't, why why not do that if you're just going to literally rehash it? 
Oh anyway, spoiler over, and let's let's that's Ghostbusters. Look, people, if you're listening and you disagree, and Rob, when you go see it, if you disagree, please say it to us. Let us know, and I might even come back and we might talk about it again when Rob has seen it. And maybe if you guys tweet out us your opinions, we can talk about that too because I'm intrigued by it. Wow. But yeah, sounds good. Rob, we've Hello. done it. We've hit the sweet spot. We've got you another episode. Unusually, mm. we just talked about films this time, which is not I something know. we usually do on this movie podcast of ours. I mean, we did dive, <laughs> we did take a trip down the old dunes of Strand Hill at one point there, but that was at the start. <laughs> so we, I think we, I think we, we, we scarped out of there very quickly. So we, we got through it in the end. We didn't talk about Matt Berry nearly as much as I talked as I. As oh. I the restraint required there not to go down an absolute rabbit hole of uh, Bruce Forsyth and Heathcock Pursuit. Rob, two minutes, <laughs> two minutes, your thoughts on Tosa London. Go for it. I had already watched a couple of episodes before, year, like, you know, when it first came out. Loved it, but for, you know, for whatever reason, I just didn't, I didn't go back to it. Started, started, started watching it again and I'm just in, like, in absolute hysterics laughing at this. I think, I, I think I find him funny by default so oh, like he just has to agree. he just has to be standing stationary Matt Burry just has to be standing in a room and I'm already kind of giggling to myself but um, <laughs> I keep referencing this is a bit where he's with his manager in a room and she talking they're going through other <laughs> actors that have that have been in the Golden Globes and he just it's so simple he's just reading off a list of names but he puts that Matt Burry spin on it in two ways one, of course, the amazing voice and just odd pronunciation. Like, he puts accents and sort of emphasis on odd parts of the word. And also, just the names are creative and hilarious. So, like, one of them is <laughs> Ramon Sally Random, Iqbal Achieve, Heathcott Pursuit. That's just it. And it keeps going, this scene. All these all these random actors and these silly names. I click. Cock-a-boo, peanut whistle, owner length, dick weirdly, sow commotion, Scott Chestnut, Basil Watchfair, Iqbal Achieve, Nan Slack, Giuseppe Race, even Heathcock Pursuit. Oh my god, everything of and I sent you one. He's got this rival Ray purchase, and every time he says his name, he always introduces uh, introduces him with such disdain and the way he says his name, but he also calls him like a prick or an <laughs> idiot. Every single time he describes it to someone. And it's just so satisfying. And all the characters are so weird. Everybody is so weird in this show. Like every time <laughs> they leave a scene, sometimes sometimes they just run away. Like they just, they're just start running. Doesn't even make any sense. One, one girl goes, right, I gotta go. Touch later. And she just turns around and just full next just full tilt sprint <laughs> it's such an absurd show and there's like there's a running gag every episode and you think it's going to get oh this is going to run its course pretty quickly and it's just hey. the, he's in an, he's in the voice recording studio and we, we'll do it we'll actually do it now for your uh, for your listening pleasure for your delectation and, and there's a guy called Clem Fandango and basically he's like can you hear me Toast and he goes yeah, yes yes I can hear you Clem Fandango and every and- single time Every single time, and, and they always wear different outfits as well. And maybe that doesn't sound funny, but when you watch it, trust me, it's hilarious. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, because yeah, he's basically basically he's a voice artist, so he just he like basically his his day to day really he's trying to make it big as an actor, but most of what he does is he just goes into a recording booth and just records lines. And there's this extraordinary one where. He's handed the script, and on a piece of paper is just the word "yes." That's all he has yes. to do. He's just, he's yes. just going through all these, all these, all these connotations and interpretations of "yes." Then there's a bit. 
Okay, okay, Toast. That was good, Toast. Uh, yeah, thanks, Stephen. Um, why don't we try it without the script this time? You probably don't need it. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah, yeah, I probably don't need the script. Goes to do it. It about to say yes. Looks at the piece of paper anyway. You <laughs> <laughs> actually can't deliver the line oh, without reading it. Also, oh. there, there is amazing. There's some songs in it as well, and he's got a really good singing voice. And uh, it's really kind of absurd songs, and they're not like supposed to be, you know, Flight of Concord snappy funny. They're just kind of melancholic, but they're at such a weird but very good. When it hits the highs, yeah. it hits them. That thirty second scene that Rob already described when he's just naming names is so funny it is i was i honestly was i had to rewind about five times because i couldn't get through it without crying laughing like <laughs> yeah because you'll, you'll be laughing you'll miss one of the names you go back then you hear that one that one is equally as funny so you start laughing at that oh, oh it's so great good. like if you like absurdist daft humor but cle- but like it's you know the the way it's almost the british equivalent of arrest development dare i say in the sense Ooh, that it, high it, praise. In in the sense that it knows how to build on a running gag so effectively. Yeah. But before it gets stale and kind of lean into the absurd nature of that and then double down and then kind of reuse it and everything. Um not as good as Arrested Development because that's too polished, but this is good fun. This is really good yeah. fun. He also well uh, Matt Berry Matt Berry shows up in a great episode of community and he is as usual is hilarious and there's so many amazing gifts that have come from it so that's yeah go check that one out oh but look wow. we, we, we we've done it we've reached the end of another episode of what? i understood that reference woo, 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 woo. and this one we actually talked about movies for the whole thing again you're we welcome never thought that would ever happen jesus if everybody would just stop complaining we did the fucking episode all right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually talked about movies on this movie podcast of ours all right yeah. but uh thanks for listening folks and next week jazz <laughs> yeah yeah Scatman Rudders, that was his voice, you know, I'm the Scatman. That was his voice in the Transformers movie. But anyway, that's that's all the side of the point. Uh, oh. Rob, where where can people find us if they want to hear us? If if they're probably they're probably bloody sick of listening to us at this stage, but Yes <laughs> <laughs> Immaculate timing. Um the standard podcast players, of course. Uh, Spotify, SoundCloud. <laughs> Hang on, I'll, <laughs> I'll deliver them like Stephen Toast. Excellent. SoundCloud, Spotify, <laughs> Apple iTunes, Amazon, Google Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, Pod, <laughs> Podchaser, <laughs> Podchaser. <laughs> this is going to be fun to listen back when I'm editing. <laughs> Don't forget the website. You can you can you can find us on www.dot. I understood that reference. Dot com. That's where you'll find us. And Ross does the Twitter. <laughs> At Cap Understands. That's where you'll find us there as well. Oh no! Wait, I read out the URL wrong. It's just capunderstands.com. Actually, I think I've kind of forgotten. Um, but that should get you there. Capunderstands.com. I got so. Can distracted. you hear me, Rob? Yes, I can. Yes, yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> I just love it so much. All right, folks, uh, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and stick around for for some Christmas stuff will be coming up soon because it's almost December, oh. which is insane. But yeah, I guess really all that remains to say is that I have been Ross, and yes, I have been Rob, and this has been I understood that reference. Thanks very much for listening. Yes! Get out of here, right, bitches! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Bruce for sight. <laughs> Slaughter everybody. <laughs>